In Ecclesiastes chapter 5, I'll be reading in just a moment, Ecclesiastes chapter 5. Tonight I'm following up with the study I presented this morning about the discipline of personal sacrifice. If pride is at the root of all sin, humility is at the root of all virtue. That's a paraphrase of Andrew Murray. And everything I read in scripture about humility and sacrifice agrees with that. If pride is at the root of all sin, humility is at the root of all virtue and therefore is connected inseparably to sacrifice. So in both sermons today, the spiritual, personal discipline of sacrifice. And this morning, I made these points. The surrender of mind and body to God, who made us, who owns us. That's fundamental to the subject. The ultimate devotion of love, willing to give all as Jesus did. Service, anchored in humility and going the extra mile. And I close this morning with this question that I'll bring up again tonight for me and each one of us. What do I give up to serve the Lord? Ecclesiastes 5, 1 through 7. Guard your steps when you go to the house of God. To draw near to listen is better than to offer the sacrifice of fools, for they do not know that they are doing evil. Be not rash with your mouth, nor let your heart be hasty to utter a word before God, for God is in heaven, and you are on earth. Therefore, let your words be few. For a dream comes with much business, and a fool's voice with many words. When you vow, a vow to God, do not delay paying it, for he has no pleasure in fools. Pay what you vow. It is better that you should not vow than that you should vow and not pay. Let not your mouth lead you into sin. And do not say before the messenger that it was a mistake. Why should God be angry at your voice and destroy the work of your hands? For when dreams increase and words grow many, there is vanity. But God is the one you must fear. What a warning here. Draw near to listen it says that's better than the sacrifice of fools. And the passage concludes with this simple, sobering statement. God is the one you must fear. Do you fear God? And does that respectful fear for God express itself in sacrifice? What do I give up to serve the Lord. So tonight, three other aspects of this valuable subject, personal 
sacrifice. We move a little bit deeper into that topic. And first, I want to commend to you what I like to call quiet benevolence. In Matthew 6, 1 through 4. Matthew 6, 1 through 4. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret, and your Father, who sees in secret, will reward you. Here is an instance in the Bible, in the New Testament, where the practice of righteousness is accompanied by a warning. The practice of righteousness is accompanied by a warning. Not because of righteousness being practiced. No, beware of the practice of righteousness to be seen by men. The eyes and the applause of men must never be the motive behind our righteousness. Righteousness is how we think and how we live in the sight of and for the glory of God. I like the phrase quiet benevolence. The motive is God directed. If the motive for serving and giving in benevolence and sacrifice is anything other than the glory of God, then what we do will be only religious activity and noise, not righteous response to God. As we engage in this obedience before God and people see our charity or benevolence, we must not we must not feed on that. We must not have done that for their observation and their praise. The Lord's point here is, when people observe our manner of life, let them not see pride that we sought, but let them see God at work in us. And this connects to the previous chapter, let your light shine before men, not for the applause that you might gain from it, but for the glory of God. The seeking of audience and attention and praise is what is called in the older translations, vain glory. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Quiet benevolence. No fanfare. Everybody doesn't need to know of your sacrifice and your charity. No sounding of a trumpet, no advertising, no boasting, no pushing your good works out there for acclaim. We may have reputations, but we don't distribute resumes to market all of our good works and our acts of charity. The personal discipline 
of sacrifice is never to have the purpose that's identified here in Matthew chapter 6, the opening verses. The Lord uses this language, this figure, of one hand not even knowing what the other hand has done. He's making the point that the sacrifices we make to help others should not be a stage performance, but a simple, quiet function of heart to God who sees in secret. The discipline of personal sacrifice means quiet benevolence. And it means giving up personal comfort. Giving up personal comfort. I'm going to read from 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2, the opening verses. 2 Timothy 2. You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. It is the hard-working farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. Think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. Paul uses a couple of different images here. One of an athlete and the other here is that of military service, training, combat. I'll tell you this, it isn't designed for the comfort of the soldier. It has to do with the mission that is greater than the comfort of the individual soldier. Foxholes and 40-pound backpacks are just not comfortable. Walking 14 miles on bivouac, I would never do that for the sake of comfort. It's commonly understood good soldiers are not in the battle for their personal comfort, but rather for the cause, for the mission. Paul said to the younger soldier in the Lord's army, share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Make that sacrifice. In the Lord's army, we wear the whole armor of God. We do battle against evil. We uphold truth. We oppose what is false. We seek to identify and cast down strongholds of sin. We help others who battle alongside us. We do all this as soldiers sacrificing personal comfort for the glory of God and the spiritual welfare of people who were subject to the attacks of the enemy. So, the personal discipline of sacrifice means 
benevolence that's quiet. It's not accompanied by fanfare. And we, as soldiers in the Lord's army, give up personal comfort for the greater cause. There is a cause greater than the personal comfort of the individual soldiers. Now, who gets to decide what the greater cause is? And here's the answer. The greater causer. The great God who made everything and to whom we owe everything. Paul makes the point for Timothy and for us as God's children, we put into our daily living the same kind of discipline the athlete puts into their sport, the farmer puts into his crop, and the soldiers put into their mission. What do I give up to serve the Lord? Number three, sacrifice that pleases God is costly. Sacrifice that pleases God is costly. When Gad came to David about building an altar to God at the threshing floor of the Jebusite, this statement was made in that narrative. I will not offer burnt offerings to the Lord my God that cost me nothing. I will not offer burnt offerings to the Lord my God that cost me nothing. Similar to this in Malachi 1 verses 8 and 13, the prophet exposes the practice of offering animals under the Mosaic ordinance Offering animals that were imperfect, that were blind, stolen, lame, or sick. Raising the question, if it doesn't cost anything, is it really a sacrifice? When we think of giving, personal or collective, it is about generosity. And in the Bible, that always means sacrifice when it comes to our duty our lives our resources that actually belong to God giving ought to be sacrificial if it doesn't cost anything is it really a sacrifice when we think of giving we should always think of that component of sacrifice Giving should be sacrificial. Whether you're talking about time or money or listening or caring or evangelizing, we devote ourselves to the Lord and as we give our lives to Him, we hold back nothing that is necessary. It isn't that God gets a little part of my life on Sunday morning and a little bit of my check, but with plenty left for me. Time, money, listening, caring, serving, sacrificially means not some minimal effort as little as possible. Remember from this morning, it is the extra mile, not the minimum, but maximum effort to devote all we are 
and all we have to the Lord. If I'm not doing that, I have work to do in a very immediate way. Here's a great Bible example. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8, we need to have the entire reading before us down through verse 15. 2 Corinthians 8, 1 to 15. We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. And this, not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord. And then by the will of God to us. Accordingly, we urged Titus that as he had started, so he should complete among you this act of grace. But as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all earnestness, and in our love for you, see that you excel in this act of grace also. I say this not as a command, but to prove by the earnestness of others that your love also is genuine. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that by his poverty you might become rich." And in this matter I give my judgment, this benefits you, who a year ago started not only to do this work, but also to desire to do it. So now finish doing it as well, so that your readiness in desiring it may be matched by your completing it out of what you have. For if the readiness is there... It is acceptable according to what a person has, not according to what he does not have. For I do not mean that others should be eased and you burden, but that as a matter of fairness, your abundance at the present time should supply their need so that their abundance may supply your need that there may be fairness. As it is written, Whoever gathered much had nothing left over, and whoever gathered little had no lack. Paul is writing to Christians in Corinth about giving, generosity, sacrifice. He cites the example of Christians in Macedonia, very likely Philippi, and he says that they gave beyond their means. He says, of their own accord, they begged to give to poor saints, even though they themselves were poor. This is a case where you have the poor helping the poor. And that's an act of grace and sacrifice. It is extra mile giving. Jesus said, 
Go the extra mile. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him too. And I said this morning, going the extra mile is never crowded. What more do we need about sacrifice? Here's Ephesians 5, 1 and 2 I'll close with. Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us a fragrant, fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. So, to close these two sermons about sacrifice, I need to ask myself, am I giving myself to the Lord and His cause in the fullest way possible? Are there attributes of serving that I could apply better toward people who need what I can give? Are there things I can do within the framework of the work of the local church that would be beneficial to the Lord's cause and would encourage others? In my family, in my marriage, can we do better at devotional Bible reading? Can my attitude move away from selfishness toward maximum effort to bring my thoughts in harmony with Christ? Let me go back where I started, Romans 12, 1 and 2. I appeal to you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. A living sacrifice is expensive. It is all of life given to God. Either I'm giving my life to me and the world, or I'm giving my life to God now, to be with him in eternal perfection after I die. Is it worth it? It certainly is. May God be glorified by our sacrifices. Let's be standing as we sing.